Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where I just got back to Washington, D.C. from an interview last night with former President Donald Trump. There are all sorts of headlines in it. We're going to play a couple of those now in this podcast, and then tomorrow we're going to air the whole thing. Stem to Stern, you can listen to it from the moment we start it to the moment we end it. What a extraordinary newsy interview. He talked about everything, including elections. He wants us to go back to paper ballots and get rid of no excuse absentee balloting, two things that were both occurred in widespread numbers in the 2020 election and have led a lot of people to distrust the election results. Talked about crime being the number one issue in the election, even more than the economy right now, and many other things. We're going to get all of that. You're going to get a couple teasers today, and then we're going to get the rest of that to you Tomorrow, you'll listen to it from stem to stern. What a great opportunity, incredibly gracious amount of time the president gave us, which was pretty, pretty extraordinary. We had a good, really good amount of time to ask questions and to really get a sense of what it is that he's thinking about in his quest for the next couple of years. What's the 2022 and 2024 election about? He answers that, which I think is pretty cool. We're going to come back. We're going to take a commercial break. We're going to play a couple of those clips from President Trump. But before we do... I want to break some news on this show. We're going to have the story tonight, but you're going to get it early because you listen to the podcast. We've been reporting on this big censorship machinery that was built for the 2020 election and is allegedly operating now in the 2022 election. Homeland Security Department, Department of State had a ticket system where they could file requests to censor Americans' opinions and thoughts and tweets and social posts as misinformation or disinformation. And they outsourced it to a consortium of four private groups. That story has gone gangbuster because the breadth of this censorship was enormous. This is according to the consortium's own report, its own bragging of what it accomplished. Just think about this. More than 4,800 web URLs were impacted. More than 20 news organizations, just the news included. More than two dozen influencers, including Sean Hannity and Charlie Kirk and Jack Posobiec and many others, Mark Levin. And then nearly 22 million social media posts were impacted. That's how widespread this censorship operation was. And so people are beginning to absorb its gravity, its import. And we've been talking to lots of members of Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene, many others who are talking about it. But just a little while ago, the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy, called us and gave us a statement 
saying where he is. And this is very important because Kevin McCarthy was one of the earliest voices. And when I mean early, I mean back in 17 and 18, speaking out against cancel culture and predicting that online censorship would become an epidemic, not just an occasional event, but it would become an epidemic. So he is now committed, if the Republicans win the House, to doing a full-scale investigation and getting bureaucrats out of the business of censorship and holding them accountable, punishing them. I want to read you this statement that Kevin McCarthy just gave us. This is quite a news impact to have from the original reporting we've done here at Just the News. Now, this is directly from Kevin McCarthy, the House Republican leader, House Minority Leader, the man who likely will be Speaker next year if Republicans win control of the House. Quote, I have long been critical of the attempts by big tech to censor voices the federal government tells them to, whether directly through their proposed so-called disinformation governance board or indirectly by using private groups to do the government's bidding. These are fundamental violations of the First Amendment. He's calling them constitutional violations. The foundation of our free society. He's talking about the First Amendment. Holding both big tech and the government agencies they colluded with accountable will be a top priority of a Republican majority. So holding both big tech and the federal agencies they colluded with will be held accountable and be a top priority of Republicans should they win control of Congress. That is a direct reaction to the reporting we've been doing here at John Solomon Reports, at Just the News, at Just the News No Noise, the television show. That is a big deal. And we also talked to President Trump about that tomorrow. You're going to hear his response to questions about censorship, which went on in the midst of his 2020 re-election bid. Now, before we go to a quick commercial break, we're going to come back here, a few of those excerpts from the President Trump interview. First up, I want to let you tell, we're going to continue on this story after we hear from President Trump a little bit. We're going to continue on this censorship story. Joining me in a few minutes is Mike Benz. Mike was a Trump administration official. If President Trump had gotten a second term in office, it was likely that Mike Benz was going to become the first ever State Department ambassador for digital freedom. And ironically, that ambassador was going to have to start his work in America, where the beacon of free speech was under assault. Well, he didn't get that job because President Trump lost the election. And so he went out and created a new foundation called the Foundation for Freedom Online. Really great name for it, Foundation for Freedom Online. And he has been helping us and others dig into this censorship machinery, this big machine that was created between private universities and liberal interests and the Homeland Security Department, the State Department. And he has got some new revelations. We're going to talk a little bit about the training that some of the federal agencies got to be on the lookout for what they were calling disinformation or misinformation. Keep in mind, one of the things they called disinformation was the very real Hunter Biden laptop. Another thing they called disinformation, my very real stories about Hunter Biden's dealings in Ukraine and China. Another thing they called disinformation, the Justin News reporting of an affidavit in a sworn case where there was a hearing on it. I mean, it was a legitimate thing to cover. But the training for disinformation came from a Harvard Center and it has direct ties, get a load of this, direct ties to Hillary Clinton. We're going to have that in the second block of the show. Yeah, we're going to break some more news on top of Kevin McCarthy's great statement. We're going to have that in a little bit. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, first up, a few of my favorite moments in the interview with former President Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States, followed by Mike Benz and some breaking news on just how far-reaching the censorship machinery of the U.S. government has been built. And who did the training? Hint, hint. It's going to involve Hillary Clinton's people. We'll have that right after this commercial break. 
Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. We had a wonderful time, almost a half hour with President Trump on the record, on camera. You can watch that in its entirety tonight on Just the News, No Noise, on Real America's Voice, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Channel 219, Dish Channel 240 on the Pluto Network, or you can watch it at Just the News on Roku and the Real America's Voice app. And if not, you're going to be able to listen to its entirety tomorrow on this show. So we asked President Trump about his decision to go to the Supreme Court and fight out the documents, the Mar-a-Lago raid documents out at the highest court in the land. And we also asked him why he sued CNN. And he had two very, very specific answers. Listen to what he had to say. Well, with uh, CNN, it's just like incredible. They just say anything. You know probably better than anybody, John. They'll say whatever comes to mind. They talk about the big lie. I said, well, prove the big lie. The big lie is not a big lie at all. It's the opposite. The big lie is the opposite. All the stats, we have everything. Unfortunately, we haven't had judges that want to look at it. They don't want to change elections, etc. But you show us it's a big lie. They will never be able to do that. And so we sued CNN for a lot of money, and we'll see how that goes. I think it should go very well. And the other is just a continuation of the weaponization of the Justice Department and the FBI. You know, if you look, and you covered it brilliantly, you look at the warehouses that the Bushes have, uh, warehouses that are totally unsecured. One of them is a broken front door. You can walk in if you want. And this is where they have all their records. Uh, you look at the $33,000. 30, think of this, 33000 
Hillary Clinton deleted emails. Mm -hmm. You look at what happened with her husband, where they lost thousands and thousands of papers and documents, and that happened with Bush, too. And you look at all of the complexities and what happened with Obama, and then they talk about us. I think we were the most secure place. You take a look at this. We were probably the most secure. So it's a weaponization by the DOJ. And I think it's just something that has to stop. So we uh, we fight that battle. I think we're doing very well in that battle. And I think the public agrees with us because you know better than anybody. My poll numbers are higher now than they ever were. So I think the public understands what's happening. So that was a really big moment in the interview. And you kind of get a sense that he's fighting something bigger than just what's over the document. He feels like he's fighting that this is the major pushback against politicization of the FBI and the Justice Department. And the say-anything media, as he called it. And I think that that was really insightful. This was more than just the technical, legal disputes that are going on. He's got a bigger agenda. Now, we also asked him about Russia and Ukraine and how he deal with it. He had an interesting strategy saying, listen, the best way is to bleed Russia dry of its money by ramping up U.S. gas and oil production, bringing down oil barrels to really cheap levels, by the way, that helps American inflation. And it kills the money flow to Vladimir Putin's War machine. Listen to what he had to say. He, he's thought this through a lot, and you're not hearing anyone else talk this strategically about Russia. Have a listen. Energy started this whole disaster. And you take a look at energy with Ukraine. Energy with almost everything involves energy. If you make donuts, if you make uh, anything you make has to do. And when they ended our energy, we were energy independent. Think of this. We were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. We would have been bigger than Saudi Arabia and Russia combined. And I won't say times two, but pretty close to times two. We were going to supply the world, and they just ended it. It was shocking, the shock. And that caused, that started the rise of inflation. It also gave Putin so much money, because remember, we had it down to $40 a barrel. When it went up to $130 a barrel... That war is very inexpensive by comparison to the kind of money he was taking in. So that would have, and that's another way of stopping it, by the way. If you could get it down to $40, $50 a barrel, he wouldn't be able to have the war. It would stop. Other than that, you'd have to talk to him and you have to reason with him. But that should have never, ever happened. Now, we've heard a lot of different people talk about Russia strategies in the Biden administration, from more armaments to the Ukraine military, which has been very successful in pushing and routing, really, Russia out of its there. We've had people talk about the warnings of maybe a nuclear war. Remember, Ronald Reagan once famously said, I think it was in 1982, so it would have been 40 years ago this year. He said, nuclear war can never be won, therefore it should never be waged. And Donald Trump doesn't want to get to a nuclear war. He has an idea, when you talk to him, he wants to put Putin into a tough position so he's in a good negotiating position. Kind of like what Donald Trump did when he was in real estate and television and the presidency. He likes getting leverage in the art of the deal. And uh, you heard that in that remarkable piece of advice he had there. Now, I have one other favorite thing we want to share with you right now. This one's a big one. So the president had a very specific recipe for dealing with all of the questions about the election. And by the way, it's not about going back and overturning the 2020 election. It's about getting Americans' confidence back in the election, in the election process. And he had a very specific thing. Let's everybody vote by paper. On the day of, except for those who absolutely can't. So limit absentee 
to those who absolutely need it, but get rid of this no excuse absentee and, and let's just do mail, uh, do print regular ballots like France does and most of the countries modeled after the United States does. Listen to what the president said. It's kind of an interesting soundbite. The fake votes, you know, I call them the fake vote store. That's the mail-in ballots. We shouldn't have mail-in ballots unless somebody's very, very sick or it's military far away. We should go to paper ballots like they did in France. 36 million people, they had no disputes, they had no money. There was paper ballots and it was one day voting. They didn't store them over there in the corner. And you see the boxes moving all over the place. They didn't do that. Uh, they should go to one day voting. They should go to paper ballots. And you would have elections that everybody could be proud of. Because right now, this country's a laughing stock all over the world. They're laughing at our stupid elections. Well, that is some really good stuff. Now, if you like that and you want to hear the whole half-hour conversation with former President Donald J. Trump, we're going to have it tonight on Real America's Voice on our Just the News, No Noise show with Amanda Head and I. Then tomorrow, we're going to adapt it for the podcast so you can listen to it on the way to work or listen to it on the jog or while reading the newspaper. We're going to have that tomorrow, the full interview. Lots of other big nuggets of news. You're not going to miss it. It's pretty important stuff. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, time to turn back to censorship, federally sanctioned censorship, the largest example we've ever uncovered in American history. We're going to have that right after this commercial break. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down. And my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? 
It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick House Nutrition and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. I told you we at Just the News are not going to let this story out of our grips. We're going to be like a dog sunk in on a good bone. We are going to continue to report out just how widespread this censorship machine that federal agencies created with liberal interest to silence large parts of America. By the way, almost always consistently conservatives. Well, our next guest is at the genesis point of this. It was his research at the Foundation for Freedom Online that led Just the News down this path, doing the work we've done. He is a brilliant, brilliant advocate for free speech and digital freedom in America. In fact, in a second Trump administration, he was going to be the first ever State Department Ambassador for Digital Freedom. Joining us right now, the founder of the Foundation for Freedom Online and my good friend, Mike Benz. Mike, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on, John. It's a pleasure. Well, first, let me say on behalf of Justin News, on behalf of our extraordinary audience, people listen to this podcast, watch the TV show, we can't thank you enough for the fact-based research and reporting you did. We would never have exposed or known about this huge, huge censorship machine. And by the way, federally backed, federally sanctioned censorship machine if it weren't for your great work. So a big hat tip to you and to all the great folks at Foundation for Freedom Online because you this is a big public service. Well, to you as well, you are uh, really a champion for truth and tenacity on this issue. So I can't thank you enough for everything you've done to, to, to bring public awareness to this. Well, the great thing I now know is that the more I get to know you, the more I see your work. We have a lot more work and a lot more things to expose. And I want to get to that today because you have found some jaw-dropping new stuff. But before we do that, you have this fascinating background. I mean, the Trump administration was going to make you the leading edge of their assault or counteroffensive against this creeping censorship and cancel culture in America. Just tell us a little bit. You were working in the Trump administration, but what was your next job going to be if President Trump had won in November 2020? Sure. So my job was as the I ran the big tech portfolio of the State Department. So I had three departments under me uh, at, the, at the time of the transition related to platform governance, um, negotiating with international partners on AI regulation, uh, as well as taking on the China challenge with respect to 5G and really paving the path for championing American tech companies as we enter the, the IT great power competition age with China. The problem was is right around that time, uh, U.S. tech champions were not even championing U.S. citizen interests. That is, for the first time, really in American history, you had uh, you had U.S. companies, U.S. tech companies, who were politicizing the social and political choices of the citizenry with respect to access to critical, uh, you know, basically critical. Act- the, I would say the information age, really. I mean, you're talking 
Microsoft, Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, all of these companies represent the information age. And without access to those, you're kicked back to the industrial age. There had never before been a time when you couldn't pump gas for, because of who you voted for or what your opinions were on a social issue. But what happened after the 2016 election was suddenly everything became part of this sort of scorched earth culture campaign. And the tech companies got wrapped up in that. The government got wrapped up in it. Civil society did. The media did. And there, it, I believed it was necessary when I arrived at the State Department to reverse that tide uh, directly. Um, so my, my vision was that as a free speech ambassador and as a big tech ambassador, I believe that our America's foreign policy interests merge with our free speech online interests. And what, what the damage that has been done by decisions to politicize speech and to make the repercussions of depriving access to basic technological infrastructure, you know, it takes two and a half centuries for America to build its reputation around the First Amendment. And it took about two and a half years to severely undermine it. So I believe that uh, what, what needs to be done is, is to immediately stop the damage and then put this thing immediately in reverse and get back to a path where we celebrate the First Amendment. Yeah, so important. So important. And this would have been such a big initiative and probably changed the course of history because the history has continued to plod onward towards more and more censorship, more things that the current ruling party and elitists think are anathema and disinformation. They get canceled. I mean, that's not what our founding fathers intended. And they certainly didn't intend it to involve federal government agencies funded by Congress, especially given the language of the First Amendment. You helped us get through this first round of stories. And, and really what we see is this extraordinary censorship machine. You've got two dozen conservative influencers, people like Sean Hannity, Jack Vesobiak, Mark Levin, Charlie Kirk being censored. 20 news organizations, including our own Just the News and Fox News and the New York Post. And then 4,800 URLs that were impacted by the censorship requests and nearly 22 million social media posts targeted as part of this 35% success rate. So they're batting better than most major league hitters ever hit or get for an average. This is a massive, massive restraint to free speech and opinion in the shadows of an election. Before we move on to the new stuff you found, just your gut reaction of just how significant this is and maybe how our founding fathers today might look at such a machine. Well, it's truly world historic. I remember in 2013 reading the Freedom House reports on Chinese Internet censorship and what was done in the 2020 election and what is being normalized and institutionalized going forward is something that really approximates the antithesis of what American freedom and the separation between U.S. citizens and their government. In fact, you know, the, the very definition of democracy that it is supposed to be by the people, for the people, that uh, that government is is servant and, and the citizenry is not. All of that has been inverted when you have a government-run censorship apparatus that incorporates something that, by their own terminology, uses a whole-of-society approach. Now, this is something that they, and I think that to answer the Founding Fathers question, I think that the Founding Fathers would be not just uh, stunned at the machinery of the censorship apparatus, 
but I think that the, the straightforward, plain-spoken language of the Constitution and the plain dealing that that, that represents, I think they would be horrified to see the way wordplay has been weaponized in order to justify these escalating levels of uh, of censorship. And, and by wordplay, I also mean euphemisms. Like, for example, I just mentioned whole of society. And by that, they mean four converging institutions. And by they, I mean the Department of Homeland Security, as well as really the entire censorship industry, which I can discuss you know, what I mean by that later. But you have four key institutions that DHS framework cites as being democratic institutions who must be protected against disinformation. First, you've got the government. Then you've got the private sector, the, the free enterprise companies, like the tech platforms. Then you've got civil society, like the acad academia, NGOs, you know, universities, activist groups. And then you've got legacy news media. By that, they mean preferred partners in the journalistic spheres and in media. So what, they, what they've converged on for the 2020 election and going forward is sort of this idea that in the name of preventing cyber attacks on American critical infrastructure, these four categories of institutions are critical infrastructure. And so if you undermine them on social media by articulating your grievances, you are in effect committing a cyber attack on critical infrastructure. Now the cute trick this pulls is that no American can air grievances now without a pretext for censorship by the Department of Homeland Security. That is so well explained. I mean, this is extraordinary. In the name of protecting energy power plants and, and dams, water dams, they're actually eroding our speech. And that is an extraordinary extension. By the way, none of that power was ever given to these agencies in anything that Congress gave them. And it's explicitly outlawed in the Constitution. I mean, the First Amendment is clear that Congress should not pass any law that will bridge the free expression rights of Americans. And the Supreme Court has ruled that that extension, that prohibition on infringing free speech, extends to any federal agency funded or authorized by Congress. That means the executive branch. So uh, it's just so jaw-dropping to see these bureaucrats and their leftist friends in some of these institutions feeling so bold that they think this is their mission. This is the mission of government. You were mentioning the Chinese thing. Is this ripped out of the Chinese playbook? It is. And in fact, you know, there was a there was a moment between 2017 and 2018 before they got really, really bold with this, where in their own internal meetings and deliberations, they would talk about you know, basically their envy of the China model and how, you know, when there's populist movements and dissent groups within China, China has the advantage of being able to use its artificial intelligence and being able to use its, its you know, hyper... They, they have China envy, right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. They have China envy. And oh, well, they God. had it. And then they, in 2017, 2018, and then sometime in late 2019, they essentially began the process of dropping that entirely. And now I would say, uh, you know, <laughs> it's basically a bad knockoff of the Chinese model, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that it is, except that it had such broad impact, right? I mean, I, I'm thinking about this. I'm looking at my own social media feed and realizing ah, they, they were throttling me. And by the way, for just the news, this is so remarkable to me. We were covering a court case in which there's a sworn affidavit, which prompted a judge to have a hearing. So it actually caused something to occur in the public space. We got censored for covering that affidavit in the court case. I mean, it's mind-boggling. If journalists can't cover court cases, we're in big trouble. 
And well, what's really fascinating about this as well is that, and Just the News covered this in, in one of the reports from last week, but by their own model, this is I'm talking about the Department of Homeland Security's model via its censorship consortium of these four private entities it partnered with to do the dirty work. In their own model, they use something called Incident Narrative Virality Threshold IRL. And I'll break down what those mean. And these are the four categories of basically threat levels that your speech poses when you tweet or post a Facebook post or upload a YouTube video. So they, they have a model where narratives are comprised of incidents. So an incident is, you know, somebody observes a pile of ballots in a trash can that shouldn't be there. Or somebody observe, looks into a microscope and sees bacteria on a mask. Or somebody, you know, observes funny business happening at the southern border. And over the course of an aggregation of incidents, a narrative develops online that basically rolls up all those various incidents under a common branding banner. Uh, like, for example, they cite things like, like Stop the Steal or uh, was, was sort of a banner, or Sharpiegate was, was one of these. And then, you know, you might say for the George Floyd uh, protests in 2020, you might say, I can't breathe was, was an narrative. It, everyone sort of understands the concept there. So then there are three targeted things that they seek to stop by their own model. And this is only on one side of the equation, right? That is their social and political enemies is in-person protests, lawsuits or legal challenges to government policy and mainstream media news coverage. Now, all three of those are sacred under the First Amendment. And, what, and, and that's category four is when you have IRL, meaning in real life action, that, that opposes a government policy on the basis of what they call misinformation. And so their goal is to detect narratives when they are early enough in the development cycle that they have not yet tripped the virality threshold. That is, they say when things get so viral online, it inevitably produces some sort of in real life action. You know, if, if, if everyone believes it, then people are going to file lawsuits. People are going to meet up in person. People are going to be, be, get mainstream news coverage. They will become the mainstream. And so you have what is really nothing less than a conspiracy, and I feel comfortable using that word because they do, you have you have a uh, an act of collusion in, in these stories from last week, and uh, and and th there's much more to be developed there as well. But where you have the government, the private sector, and the civil society organizations, all working with the common goal of preventing IRL action in real life action of exactly the kind, John, that you did. That is the the filing of lawsuits. In fact, one of the um, <laughs> One of the uh, lieutenants, if you will, of one of these partner, uh, censorship consortiums that, that was used in 2020 gave a talk to Google in 2017 um, about, uh, about anti-vaccine action is what it was at the time. And I'm not taking a position on that one way or the other, except to say that this is two years before COVID. In her Google talk, she said that one of the things that they, had, that they were trying to do was stop the legislative interaction process between populists on social media and local representatives who were responding to the noise they were making in Facebook groups. For example, they'd gotten uh, some health measure shut down in Northern California, and this 
individual who was later engaged by the Department of Homeland Security to censor the 2020 election in 2017 cited the asymmetry of passion. That is, that is, that there's no way for the system to compete with the passion of the people. And so they're at an unfair advantage, and they can actually impact the legislative process with the noise they're making on social media. And so because of that, this is 2017, she was arguing to Google that we have to radically upscale our censorship uh, capacities, and we need to change our fundamental paradigm for how we even view discourse online, because democracy, you see, uh, we were getting a little bit too much of it, and the people had to be put in the box, back in the box. The government uh, of the people, by the people, and for the people couldn't have actually be talking to the people anymore in this scenario. It's just remarkable. The work you've done to get to capture the mindset of the people that impose this system right under the noses of a president who would never have uh, tolerated this and using the American taxpayer's checkbook, American taxpayer's freedom. It's just remarkable. I want to flip. we got just a few minutes off. I want to flip to this new thing you've discovered, which is beyond the censorship machinery, the ticket filing system where people could go make requests at a federal agency and get you censored. And by the way, the DNC could make requests too, Democratic National Committee. But you found a training mechanism that goes right back to Hillary Clinton's team. Tell us what you found about who was training Homeland Security and some of these election people in the field about disinformation and where the roots of that organization start. Sure. So what we're talking about here is an institution within the Harvard Candy Center called the Belfer Center. Now, now it's got sort of a, a checkered history that um, is, is sort of fascinating in its own right. But, but to, to cut to the chase here, um, just like the Department of Homeland Security outsourced its violations of the First Amendment by using these four groups that, that Just the News covered to actually monitor and flag Post for disinformation, and that was that 22 million figure, the 5,000 URLs, the narratives tallying 22 million. They did a similar thing with respect to training people to to censor mis and disinformation. Now, and I'll, I'll use that word without quotes, just for sake of of <laughs> stipulating it, even though I, I I take issue with its fundamental legitimacy. But what happened was, is they are trying to set up almost like a Stasi-like system where every institution has an addendum function related to censorship. So, for example, on the election security in, in that field, you, you might say, because this, again, they used the remit about this being about security, and they turned it into censorship. So in January 6, 2017, the, the last act of the outgoing Obama administration, uh, DHS Chief Jed Johnson, was to effectively federalized, at least this is what critics say, um, the U.S. election system under the cover of protecting uh, election infrastructure from Russian hacking. So they, what, what they did is they, this allowed them to pump $380 million in 2018, $420 million in 2020 um, into, uh, into aggregating the state and local election officials to train them and to get them to use the various uh, sort of common common infrastructure tools for administering their state and local elections. Now, what they did is, so this, because of the money, you know, which was, in, you could argue in certain ways, had certain bride elements. But basically, because of the, the money was too much for a lot, of, a lot of states to refuse. And in fact, all 50 states opposed this designation by DHS in 2017 when it was first done. And then somehow, $800 million later, 
people went quiet. But what happened was they trained all of these state and local election officials to become censorship zealots onto themselves, onto themselves. So that is, they were trained to create what were called incident response teams. They were, they, uh, the DHS ran tabletop exercises, you know, asking how would you respond to Mr. Disinformation? What teams do you available? What relationships do you have with the media who can, you know, who can help you to, uh, you know, debunk the, or not just debunk, because that's, I don't think anybody has a problem with debunking or issuing an opinion. Part of the issue was, is that they were told to censor. In fact, it was, it was suggested that that was, you know, if they did not set up an incident response team, if they did not censor at scale, if they did not uh, create uh, uh, hashtag lists and lists of accounts in their area of significant influence, that they would not be observing DHS's best practices on election security. And so all of these election officials were turned into censorship sleeper cells. Tell us the origins of the Belfer Center. Where does it go back to? Who is its co-founder? So the Belfer Center, they set up a, something called the uh, Defending Digital Democracy Project in 2017, after the 2016 election. And they said, yet again, just like DHS did, they said that they set it up in response to foreign hacking. Of course, that immediately transitioned, just like DHS did, from foreign hacking uh, under the cybersecurity remit to domestic tweets, you know, again, because tweets were then suddenly considered a, uh, a cyber attack and it went from foreign to domestic. So the Belfer Center was set up by the, uh, the chief of staff of the, uh, of the last few years of the Obama Pentagon era, that is, he was chief of staff to the uh, Secretary of Defense, but it was co-founded by none other than Robbie Mook, well, wait a second. I know that name. I know that name. Isn't that the guy that gave us the whole fake Russia collusion story by hiring Christopher Steele and all those guys? That was his second act. His first act <laughs> was when he was the campaign manager for the political opponent of Trump in 2016. So that same person is then delegated, deputized by the Department of Homeland Security to run social media censorship seminars for hundreds of state and local officials for who effectively pre-censored all opposition to election processes, outcomes, or integrity itself. That is, anyone who had a challenge with any of the novelties that were used in the 2020 election, even if you don't, you know, even, not even opposing that substance, I think everyone can agree that if you cannot exercise your legal right to challenge a piece of election infrastructure, a uh, election process, then we need to redo hundreds of years of American history, because this was something that was debated on both sides of the political aisle, uh, you know, for, for, for decades. It's always something that's a concern. Just last week, there was a, you know, major conviction for, um, you know, for, for election fraud. I think just yesterday or this morning, there was the, the Chinese server incident where I think the Justice Department just prosecuted um, the CEO of, uh, I think it's called Connect, the, uh, one of the election infrastructure services. But to not even be able to articulate a grievance means you are, you, you are robbed of the capacity for democratic participation. And that's really what they did. And they used the direct political operatives to do it. 
It is stunning, that revelation. That's going to be the next thing we're going to focus at Adjusted News. We're going to develop that thread. Robbie Mook, when he was the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton, authorized and was aware, got Hillary Clinton's blessing to foist on the FBI a Russian disinformation campaign, which was the Alpha Bank server story, which turned out to be completely bogus. But Robbie Mook was involved in that disinformation campaign before he then went on and created a center that the government... Now, let me understand. Did Homeland pay the Belfer Center? Was there a contract or was it done pro bono? What was the relationship between Homeland and federal agencies and this Belfer Center? I have not found a money trail. That's not my allegation. The allegation is that they engaged them for, in, in several ways. So one is you had taxpayer-paid DHS seminars to protect critical infrastructure, don't you know, related to election security. And what they did is, I believe at the 18-minute mark, I'm, I'm referring to just one of these training sessions in particular, there was, I think, an hour-and-a-half training on September 25th, 2020, where DHS just turned over the entire training seminar on disinformation as a threat to critical infrastructure. That was the name of the, of the training seminar. And they had hundreds of state and local officials, election officials who were, you know, who were warped into this via, uh, via a Zoom call. Um, and they, they had the Harvard Belfer Center just straight up run the entire seminar. And then DHS posted uh, as, as reference links the, and, re and as part of their recommended materials, they, they send a packet to all the election officials as part of their best practices on election security. They, um, it, you know, they, they, so you've got, the, you've got the direct training live in a webinar. You've got these resources being pushed on state and local officials. And at the same time, these, these officials are receiving funds from the Department of Homeland Security as part of the $420 million that was given out to states to help them protect critical infrastructure around the elections. But what the American people didn't understand at the time, because frankly, it's so pernicious that you have to almost scratch your eyes to believe they'd have the chutzpah to do it. But when they said critical infrastructure and when they said cybersecurity, they were talking about social media tweets and Facebook posts and YouTube videos and TikTok videos and 15 different platforms they're monitoring. So what you had there is you had these you had these resources being pushed on them. You had the web, you had the webinar trainings, and then you even had the tabletop exercises themselves, uh, basically you know quizzing election officials on how how up to date their censorship team is, their rapid response unit, their incident response team. And anybody reading that manual, just reading the cover of it, seeing cyber incident would think it's a hacking attack. It wouldn't think it's, you know, someone with 5,000 followers in rural Ohio talking about how, you know, he observed some, you know, election issue in, in his ward. But they, this is essentially how they've covered this up. They, they use a, a brand new dictionary of terms where nothing means what you think it means. And then they, they, they snow the field with money and, and on top of that, they have a combination of political operatives and national security rhetoric that makes the whole thing look, it's given an imprimatur, it's sort of whitewashed so that they talk in generalities, like we'll say delegitimization is, uh, you know, is what they're targeting here. And this is what the, the Harvard Belfer Center did in part, is they, you know, they said, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm reading 
here's here's uh, one of the things that one of the seven main narratives that they called prima facie disinformation. The the people who run elections are corrupt. Okay, so anybody who articulated the narrative that the people who run elections are corrupt is committing an act of misinformation that state and local officials are now deputized to report. That is, anyone who alleges there's a problem gets muzzled. So, you know, you wouldn't think that, though, if you were to look at, at DHS's website and just see something that says cyber incident reporting. You're right. There's a whole lexicon, then there's money reinforcing it. It is an extraordinary, extraordinary operation, and it has its roots in politics. I mean, Robbie Mook, at his, at his core, is a political campaign manager, and he represents one side of the political spectrum, not, not in all sides, and one side pulled this off. That's what's so amazing about this. Mike, we're running out of time. Just real quickly, how can people follow your work at the Foundation for Freedom Online? I think it's one of the most important new resources ever built in this country. Sure. Thanks so much. And uh, you can find us at foundationforfreedomonline.com. We're also on Twitter at at FFO underscore freedom and uh, setting up uh, additional socials uh, coming soon. But uh, those are the two main locations for now. And you can also visit our Rumble archive, our video archive uh, on at FFO source clips on Rumble. Well, listen, we're going to have you on a lot more. This is a story we are not letting go of. I'm going to treat this just like I treated the unraveling of the Russia collusion story back in 17, 18, 19, and 20. We have to get to the bottom of this. This is this, one of the single greatest threats to the First Amendment and free speech ever uncovered. It's one of the largest, it is the largest federally sanctioned censorship operation we've ever turned up. And we couldn't have done it without you, Mike, and your great team at the FFO. So folks, go check out the foundation. That's really important. And we're going to get Mike on next week, and we'll get a follow-up on this story once we get all the, the dots connected on Robbie Mook and how this got to be a training exercise inside the color of government. Mike, honored to have you on. Congrats on the great work. We'll be talking to you real soon. Likewise. Thanks so much. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back. Great thanks to Mike Benz for his insights and helping us break a new story. Now, we're going to keep developing what Mike talked about. I expect Friday morning on justthenews.com, we're going to develop more of what Mike has just given us and make an exclusive story on Just the News. But you get a sense of just how serious this censorship was because it was driven by a single political ideology designed to stamp out its opposition ideology exactly what the Founding Fathers never would have allowed in this country. The First Amendment is the First Amendment for a reason. And what you just heard was a 
political effort to scrub out speech and opinion that doesn't agree with one part of the country. That is why what Mike Benz is doing, what we're doing here at Just the News, what Kevin McCarthy reacted to at the top of the show, why it's so important, right? We got to stay on this story. This is a story we're not going to let our teeth out. Just like Russia collusion, we are not going to stop covering this story. We are going to run it to ground. It is so, so essential. All right, folks, a really great show. Also, a special thanks to President Trump. Remember, you can watch the interview tonight in its entirety at Just the News, no noise, at 6 p.m. on Real America's Voice, Channel 219 on Dish Network, Channel 240 on Pluto, on all the apps, including the Real America's Voice Roku app and the Just the News app. Just click the watch button on the Just the News app on your iOS or Android store. Get that, download it. Great way to watch our incredible interview. We're really super excited about it. All right, tomorrow we'll be back with the full interview and probably some more breaking news about this censorship. We're going to stay on that day and night. All right, folks, again, a special thank you to all that you're doing to support this show, all you're doing to support the Justin News brand. And just a quick reminder that we have these great sponsors. We have these extraordinary people who make what we do at Justin News possible, what we do at John Solomon Reports possible, what we do at Justin News No Noise possible. And one of them are my good friends at the Birch Gold Group. You remember Philip's on almost all the time. Philip Patrick, one of my great friends, honestly, one of the smartest people in all of economics. Well, we know that the early signs and the current signs and the future signs are for inflation to continue to be routing America's wallets. That's right. It's taking a bite out of your wallets. You have less buying power today than you did two years ago. The Biden presidency has eroded your buying power by a large amount because of that inflation. Well, one of the things you don't want it to erode much more if you haven't already done something about it is letting the falling stock market eat up your pension, your retirement, your 401k, your IRA. And so one of the great things Birch Gold has done is to create an info kit to teach you, like they taught me, how to convert your 401k, eligible 401k IRAs, your retirement funds, to a gold-supported tax-sheltered IRA or 401k. Now, to get that packet, to get started, to be knowledgeable, to maybe navigate away from a volatile stock market to the much more certainty of precious metals, all you got to do is text the word Just News to 989898. Let me give you that again. It's Just News, one word, to 989898, and Birch Gold will send you a no-obligation, extraordinarily entertaining, informational, and valuable info kit. You're going to learn how you can protect your assets in this volatile economic times. We know a food crisis on the horizon. We know inflation is sticking around. We see a decelerating of the economy towards recession. This is a great time to get your retirement and other assets into physical gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. And Birch Gold can get you there. they got A-plus ratings with the Better Business Bureau. They're great folks. You you hear Philip on this show. You know how good they are. To get started, just go to just a text, a text the word. Just News to 989898. One more time. Text the word Just News to 989898. All right, folks. Thanks for listening in. We'll have the whole show tomorrow dedicated to the, you know, our interview with President Donald Trump. But until then, God bless you. Have a great night. God bless this incredible country. As he always has, you know what you've been doing. You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. 
higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.